If I had the time and the inkling of uh, of want to, I would have pulled and clipped out a video of uh, of I'm back because guess what? I'm back. You know what? <laughs> I'm back because I choose to, and not because you want it. Because I know you don't want it. But as always, or sometimes, and not, it's not always anymore, as sometimes, I am your host, James Hyden, here with my guys, Doc Lock, Josh Saffron. How are you? I am doing fine. Banners, I was going to say, I, I felt like there should be a little without me playing for your return. I think it's been, it's been a little while, but glad to have you back, Banners. I'm doing well. Ah, good. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll get around to, to pulling some audio sometime or another because there's just way too many things that we could, uh, we could insert here. But my guy, YG Young Gentleman, James Jackson himself, tell me how you doing. I'm doing good, man. You know, it's, it's officially the month of champions, baby. March on my March babies, on my Pisces babies, holla. Uh, I call it the, the month of champions because not only is it, you know, the NCAA tournament, but even all the conference tournaments, man, this is where, this is where kings and queens get crowned, and, and we see where the real players are this month. I love it, baby. I love March. Weather's starting to get warm, too. I'm so, I'm Can't Energy wait. up. Energy I up. Love it. I love it. World champion still. Oh, World champion still. The man of 10 digits because he's double what you expect. He used to be five. We give him 10 now because he gives us double the effort. Maximilian Coolish, how are you? I'm chilling, man. I'm good. I'm feeling good. I don't know what it is. For the first time in a while, it feels like I had like like nine dreary dragging monday so you know this is usually okay. like usually like this is where i like pick myself out of the mud i feel like i got out of the mud already today so i'm ready to go love that picking ourselves up out of the mud but uh so Uh-oh. let me paint you a picture of a dystopian future and it may or may not look like a video video game you may or may not have played so th- this is what we're going to call the uh fallout new philly edition um hmm. so it's, it's been it's been enough time where, where we have been able to, I don't know if I'll say fully digest, but we have been able to, to let the, uh, the Carson Wentz trade ruminate in our, in our minds. And, you know, it's, I, I'm beating around the bush. I don't want to talk about the Eagles. Yeah. I played that. I, I gave you a little bit of a, a draw right there, but we're not going to do it. We're going to stay with the, uh, with the positive in the city. And we're going to talk about the Sixers. See, I played you right there and I played you with the title because that's what I do. I like to have fun. Okay, I like to I like to throw people. Oh, oh you got them. Oh, you got them. Yeah. We're not talking about the Eagles. We're talking about the Sixers. Okay, we're gonna check in on those power rankings, and I know you come to us for the best power rankings in sports because that's just what we do. Everywhere else, trash us the best. That's it's it is what it is. So we're gonna check that in on the power rankings. Sports Illustrated prediction art magazine. Oh my yeah. god, they're terrible yeah. every year. Exactly. That's why we know you come to us. All right, we're gonna check in on these power rankings. And I'm going to come to you first, Max. Have the Sixers slid for you? And if so, how far? Hmm. I mean, I guess they had to have by kind of by virtue of a lot of other teams just kind of going, going to another level over the last month or so. Um, mm-hmm. If we're talking about the whole league, obviously the Jazz have been have been the talk. You know, still a wagon. They, they win with ease seemingly most nights. Um JJ's Phoenix Suns just had their month as a franchise in a full seven years. I got, I got say you, the you know, saw on Sports Center last night. Best winning percentage in a month for the Suns since February of 2010. And uh, best record, you know, at the All Star break, all this good stuff, right? So those are three teams just out west, right? And then you want to talk about in the east, the Bucks have looked better as of late. They just got a 
probably a signature win over the Clippers in what felt like a playoff environment with yeah. with Giannis being really, really good in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. in that game. Uh, um, I don't, I'm not going to the Knicks are on the mind because we were talking about them. They're, you know, they're feisty. They're not there. They're not the people you should be worrying about. But shout out to the Knicks. Um, and I mean the Nets. I, that's that's the one I'm blanking on because the Nets that I last watched only had James Harden, but the Nets that I'm worried about have James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant. So the Sixers have slid because I feel like they. I don't say they've stagnated, but they've just kind of been in status quo. They haven't they haven't wowed me like they were wowed me last time when we did these power rankings. All right, all right, JJ, power rank the uh, power rank me, bro. Um, Max, I I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, especially when you say the Sixers have o- almost stagnated. They're, they're, you know, the loss to the Cleveland Cavaliers, I don't know what it is about the Cavs, but can't, just I can't figure them out the second time he lost. The Nets haven't the beat Cavs them either, what it's worth. I, I, it's, it's weird. Um, and we just talked about it literally right before we came on camera, is the Sixers might be the only, besides the Celtics, one of the only, like, playoff teams in the East that aren't on a little uptick hot streak. You know, the Bucks have started to figure things out. The Nets obviously are on a huge hot streak. You even talk about teams like the Chicago Bulls, the Charlotte Hornets, the Indiana Pacers, teams that are getting hot. And it feels like the Sixers aren't riding that kind of momentum like other teams have. Then you go out West, the Lakers are on a two-game win streak, seem to figure it out after getting Dennis Schroeder back. The Clippers, even though they dropped a tough, tough one to the Bucks, have been playing really good pretty much all season and and deserve their praise. Phoenix Suns are now buying for for third in the West. The Utah Jazz, obviously, the best team all season, like crazy, right? So Sixers, don't be humble. Don't be humble. I'm, That's a three horse race. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm, not, I'm trying not to get get ahead of my. I just jumped on that Suns bandwagon. I I just started. It was football season for me, but I just started. Give me a little bit. Give me a little bit. Okay. okay. Out of all the, the top tier teams that I just named, the Sixers are still number one in the Eastern Conference, but are not riding a hot streak are not riding some kind of momentum. And a lot of times when you're talking about power rankings, they're, they're right here, right now kind of thing. It's, it's where are you in this moment in the season? And in this moment, in this snapshot, shout out NBA Top Shot, in this snapshot of the season, the Sixers are probably sixth or seventh in the league right now. And I, viably so. You drop one as a, a, a top-tier contender to the Cleveland Cavaliers while other teams are beating the Clippers, while other teams are on three, four-game win streaks, while the Nets are, are riding a seven-game win streak, five on the West Coast, you get dropped a lot. So six or seven is probably appropriate for – that's where they are in the NBA power rankings. That's probably where I keep them just because of, you know, you're not hot amongst the NBA's elite teams. Every other NBA elite team is hot right now. Sixers aren't. Doc Locke, where are you locking in the Sixers at? No, I completely agree with both of you gentlemen, and, and I – I agree with that six or seven. For me, when I'm doing power rankings, when I'm thinking about power rankings, uh, when we talked about this last, I said Sixers are behind both L.A. teams. Now, both L.A. teams, 100%, still in the top five. Sixers have slid out of there. And I would even go as far as saying that they aren't even in the contender tier right now. And I'm saying they can easily get back in. They can easily get back in. and, And I think a lot of this is due to Toby being injured. But the bottom line is, is... Those top five teams, I don't think I can see myself being confident against any of them in a seven-game series. And because of that, I would instead of looking at the Sixers as the bottom of the Bucks, the, the Nets, the Jazz, the Clippers, I'm looking at them as the top of that second tier. And they can easily leap into that top tier, in my opinion. 
you're, they're one big move away from getting to that top tier. But I think the the brakes have been pumped over here in Philadelphia, and, and now it's it's uh, no more beasts of the East. Plain and simple, you got to jump back in, and I'm not I'm not out on them at all. I I, see, I foresee them jumping back in, but for now you got to call it how you see it. They're at the top. Uh, they're at the top of the pretenders, uh, hoping to get back into the contenders. They're still number one in the Eastern Conference. Like there, there's a difference between like reading what's on the wall, reading how they're playing, and getting so scared that your well, your one foot is off the bandwagon already. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's not like they've had this this little skid and they've dropped to third or fourth in the Eastern Conference, staring at company like the Indiana Pacers and the Chicago Bulls. They're still number one. If, they're, they're still a half if game above. A while the whole lineup has been healthy. Like it right. feels like the starting five has just been had to have you know one missing piece. And mm-hmm. honestly, yeah. Steph Curry has, has been not great since his he return. Yeah, he's been, like, he's, been you know, he's been kind of struggling. Yeah. And, you know, those things, those things add up, but like, you know, Simmons and Embiid have both really been playing well over this last, what, three, three to four weeks since we did this last somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. They've both been consistently performing well. I mean, dude, Embiid's still putting up, you know, 40 and 20 games just because they're losing. That doesn't kind of, you know, shake the whole core of, of how we should look at this team as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, one other thing, just in regards to the power rankings, does anyone else feel like maybe just kind of by virtue of, of their, their strength of schedule lately? Like, I feel like they haven't played an important game since that Lakers yeah, game. Since the Lakers. Yeah. yeah. The, the I mean, Jazz. I like the Jazz. I would put the Jazz. I'd put the Jazz as the important because it was number one in the West versus number one in the East. But other than well, that, other than, really, other those two, you're correct, Max. You're, you're exactly like correct. All their, all their weeknight games are, are the Cavs, and they're playing one o'clock against, you know, who, like, you know, uh, the Hornets or something. I feel like they've they've not been aided by a, a power ranking friendly strength of schedule over the last month. Agreed. And they're looking at guys. Uh, they're looking at teams like the Indiana Pacers, who they're playing tonight, tip off in a, in a couple minutes, and they could they they have a chance to either climb back up, like Josh was saying, or slide a bit farther down because if the uh, if the Sixers lose tonight to the Indiana Pacers and the and the Nets win against the Spurs, I want to say they're playing. Uh, we're going to see the Sixers fall out of uh fall out of first place place for the first time since the third week of the season something like that um so i mean tonight's a very important night um so it's we'll see how it goes and um josh you you mentioned they're they're still a piece away and it feels all but certain that a trade is coming now i mean if you if you're one of those people who believes all the all the rumors and daryl morey is seeking the big splash or if it's um or, or if it's just another another piece or two, um, it feels inevitable that trade is coming. So the, the the trade that's gotten the most steam is bringing a wily veteran from around the area back home to to Philadelphia, and that being Kyle Lowry. Um, so this has been it feels like a roller coaster ride with the opinion on this trade going from no way to yeah make it happen to the peak of the roller coaster being it's only Kyle Lowry. You need to go get Kyle Lowry. He's the one that can bring us a championship. And now it feels like we're coming back down and we're, we're approaching the station at the end of the ride of the roller coaster, and you're somewhere in that middle area. So I want I want to ask you guys, are you making this trade for Kyle Lowry? And if you are, tell me at what cost, and if you're not, tell me why. So, JJ, I'm going to come to you with that. So, uh, again, are you making this trade for Kyle Lowry? And if you are, tell me why. And if you are not, tell me why not as well. Well, First and foremost, I mean, if, you, if you've been a follower of this program, if, if you've watched me on Trust the Process Live and speak about the Sixers, there's one thing that I've pretty much been, you know, pretty consistent with saying that the Sixers need, and that's a, a ball-dominant guard in the half court 
to really take the duties off of Ben Simmons, really command it in the half court. And it's a broken record. Everybody says it at this point of the season every single year that when you get down to the second half of the season, come playoff time, the game slows down, becomes so much more of a half-court game, and you need to be able to, to operate in that. You need to be able to, to be good in that. That's Ben Simmons' biggest weakness, one of his only weaknesses truly in his game. It encompasses a lot, but the umbrella of a weakness is there. So I think that's why there's this big push because a lot of people see it coming. And Kyle Lowry does definitely sew up that area of your offense. So I, I 100% would be making a trade if it's not for Kyle Lowry, it's someone like that. But that seems to be the best option uh, going down if you're the Sixers. Whether the Raptors are still in a position to do that is a different story. But I'm absolutely, if I'm Daryl Morey, if I'm Doc Rivers, if I'm the Sixers, I'm looking at, you know, how can I, how can I make sure that my team improves without it losing the identity of it. And the Sixers are a very fast-paced team. They lock down, especially in the perimeter, defensively. And I think Kyle Lowry comes in and still allows you to do all of that, still allows you to, to have all of your strengths as a team, even beefs you up in the half court. It's a, it's a great traditional point guard uh, that, that could come in, play alongside Ben Simmons, but still allow him to do what he does in the full court. So I, I'm... You know, if I'm the Sixers, I'm very much in support of this trade. I think it helps. All right. Josh, again, man, are you making this trade for Kyle Lowry? If you're not, why not? And if you are, at what cost? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm very against it, JJ. I got to say. And, and I can't, you know, we live and breathe. We watch basketball. Kyle Lowry would be a great fit for the Sixers. There's no doubt about that. But I am not willing to do it this year at this cost. I mean, Kyle Lowry, he's at the end of his career. And when you're getting him, you could be getting a $30 million rental for the price of a Tyrese Maxey, a, a first-round pick, maybe even two first-round picks, and another player. That is a hefty, hefty sum for a guy who could be a half-season rental. And, and look... I do think Kyle Lowry might tip the needle for an Eastern Conference Finals, uh, maybe an NBA Finals appearance, but I, I'm just hesitant about, about a Kyle Lowry rental for a season that I, I just feel like it's not a guarantee. I still think the East would be wide open with a Kyle Lowry-type guy. He does bring a lot in terms of shooting, in terms of a half court for sure, but he's just he does, he's not that guy for me. And I also, if you're getting Kyle Lowry, to me that says you're probably not going to get someone else. I think the Sixers need one maybe two players, a guy who can dribble and another guy who can play down low, a stretch four, stretch five type guy. So the Kyle Lowry move to me kind of handcuffs you as, as, uh, for the Sixers. And then there's a the question, what do you do after the season with Kyle Lowry? Are you going to re-sign him? And if so, how, is he going to be declining? How much money? Well, we're pumping the brakes. We're pumping the brakes. Because, so because you're worried about – why are you worried about – if you make a trade for Kyle Lowry, you're not worried. You're worried about the end of the season with possibly a Larry O'Brien in your hand. That's when you worry – you worry about the end of the season at the end of the yeah. season. You're worried about now what helps my team make a push for the playoffs or a push for – a finals run and Josh, I think you're caught up a little bit too much on the tangibles. Are you talking about bringing someone like Kyle Lowry? You're talking about a whole lot of intangibles that he's able to bring to help a team out. This is a, a six time NBA all star, made all NBA 2016, and also is a champion. There's only one person on your team with championship pedigree, and that's the person who, oh, was on the same team as him in Danny Green. You're bringing a whole lot of veteran presence and experience along with a very competent and still a lot of people will regard as a top-tier-ish point guard, top-half point guard in the NBA in Kyle Lowry. He's and also got a, a bunch. A lot of 
Huh? He's got a bunch of Oscars for uh, for best actor uh, stocked <laughs> and, up. On and and could help him beat with that too. You want to talk about yeah. selling calls? Could help him beat with that too. Intangibles. That's exactly no, what I'm I, talking I, about. I got intangibles. Hashtag, hashtag, hashtag intangibles, baby. Come on. I, I like how you bring up the intangibles because there's the other thing where there's numbers in, in the big games and the playoffs and the championships are not eye popping. But I was going to say, Jay, to your credit, I think his intangibles, his veteran presence, his, his, his dog-like, uh, and of course his acting, they do make up for those playoff and championship numbers. But to me, we do talk about this championship window with the Sixers all the time, and it's not as big as we like to think. Kyle Lowry, to me, is such a one-year type player. I look at other guys, I see a guy like Oladipo, who also could potentially be a rental. But I think Oladipo has at least three more years, whereas Lowry, I'm seeing, this could be his last year and, and a steady decline these next two years. I like this core with Tobias and Bede Simmons. I'm seeing a three- to five-year window. I would like to get a guy who could play with these guys a little more than this year. Max, so, uh, so at what cost or why not? Um, I think, well, Josh, one thing I got to say, because you're, you're saying that you, know, you don't know what will happen. Sixers don't look like title-winning team now, and that's why mm -hmm. they're buyers. You never know what that potential is. So with that being said, I do think Kyle Lowry could absolutely be the piece that, that puts this all together. He does bring a lot of things that this team lacks. I think it would be a great fit. You know, you would assume that the, the fit from his end would be welcome, received, no issues, all that mm -hmm. stuff, right? Everyone's, everyone's in theory happy. started was perfectly the Sixers and the Sixers are I mean the Celtics are, are actually kind of stumbling the Sixers are just kind of chilling but the Raptors have, have gone from potential lottery team and like maybe a seller like what can we get for Lowry what can we get for for you know anyone that isn't Siakam like you know all options are open to Hey, wait a second. We still have Kyle Lowry. We still have Siakam. We can see the, the Raptors are literally the Eagles. They're being the Eagles right now where they have two important pieces from their title winning team. And they're like, we can still do this. We can do this. I believe in it. <laughs> so at this, exactly. point, at this point, the asking prices, it's just going to be through the roof. That guy, that guy is untouchable in terms of his, his means and his value and his merit to that franchise and that fan base. And to make a trade for a guy like that, you need, that team that he's so attached to, you need them to be in dire straits, and the Raptors just aren't there anymore. So, I, I think that I think that we as a fan base, I think we need to shut the door on that trade idea because, I'll be honest, if if I see the Sixers trade for Kyle Lowry, that initial headline is going to make me think, oh God damn it, we got ripped off that. Yeah. Oh, don't underestimate who you got in that front office, man. Daryl Moore is not. Daryl Moore is not going to get ripped off the trade. I trust that if I not going to get ripped off the trade. that I like, but. Just my my first thought for Sixers trading for Kyle Lowry right now, March first, it's going to cost too much. I mean, you talk about them being the Eagles, right? You know, the, the Raptors being the Eagles right now. I mean, wh what the Eagles did do, maybe the Sixers can can adopt the mindset a little bit. Is not so much worry about the future and worry about what makes us go and win a championship right now. And I know the Eagles are are down bad, but both of you, Josh and Max, have already admitted that I'll take the down right now because it came at the cost of a championship. Like, I don't care what happens after a championship. So if Kyle Lowry makes you a championship contender right now, like seriously puts you in the mix to go in the finals, then why are we worried about what to do with them in the offseason? Let's worry about that in the offseason when we all have a ring in our finger. Like, that's probably a much easier decision. I'm, you know, I go into that much happier 
if we made a deep playoff run slash finals run with Kyle Lowry. If it means giving up some of the future, that's fine. Because in the future, we might have, you know, 2020, 2021 NBA champions next to our name in the future. Yeah, I, I guess all I'll say, and Josh, I'm kind of riding your coattails. And the the scenario that I've cooked up in my head that is is just the one that I makes the most sense to me is going back to Houston. Daryl Morey just goes and, and pillages his old team. And because uh, Oladipo made it clear he doesn't want to play in Houston. Houston has a lot of salary cap issues, and he turned down pretty much all the money that Houston could throw at them. Uh, and P.J. Tucker is not going to be there much longer. Let's just let's call a spade a spade. So for me personally, I don't want to give up either um, Matisse or Maxi, but I think this I think that trade centers around um, either of them. If you can get them to take Korkmaz in that deal, I think that's a win. And then just throw oh, picks yeah. at them. Throw throw as many picks at them as you need because let's be honest, if we're if we're being real about the end the end goal of this discussion, JJ, like we're talking about, the your first round pick for the next five years ideally isn't going to mean much. Right. You know, what I mean? so so just keep throwing picks at them, keep throwing picks at the wall until they stick, and and try and grab a combination of uh, Victor Oladipo and PJ Tucker. Because I'm looking at the Raptors, and if I have to give up either Tybal or or Maxi for, or Danny Green as well, include Danny Green in that deal for for some reason that's the common speculation, just to get Kyle Lowry back. I'm not sure. I, I don't like that one, and I'm just looking at the uh, the Raptors roster, and there's not really many pieces alongside Kyle Lowry that I would want back. So it just Boucher. doesn't make sense. I'm sorry. Chris Boucher, but I don't think they're going to want to get rid of him. Well, they're not yeah, well, you don't have, you don't got room in your rotation for Chris Boucher. Yeah, it's well, just it, that that to me makes more sense. I mean, Oladipo, you get a good secondary scorer who who is a designated scorer in this league, and you're getting him for pennies on the dollar. Can can uh, can comparing him to what he was in in, in uh, Indiana, so it's just. It makes too much sense, you know. PJ Tucker can shoot the ball and can and can play very good D. So it's just, I think we need to close the door on Kyle Lowry. Just like Max said, it's it, you're giving up too much for for too little. Even though Kyle Lowry may or may not be that piece, I'm leaning more towards he could be, but I don't know if that's. I am like I said, give up picks, but there's a there's a there's a difference between mortgaging the future and taking a second mortgage out on the future. If you get my drift. <laughs> Um, so that's, well, that's, I, like I, I, you know, I, I, it rolls off the tongue. I'm just, uh, it's, I'm gifted. Uh, we're going to move right on to our next question. And th this is a good one. So it's been brought up a couple of times, but it hasn't really gotten the traction in mainstream media as to where the entire league sits, but that's an, we're going to look at the Sixers in a vacuum, uh, comparing this year to last year. And last year at this point, Sixer, the, the Sixers team had a better record at, by one game granted. But the Sixers team was, by the record, better last year. So, so Max, I'm going to come to you. Are we overvaluing the Sixers and and take that as a whole? So, I and are we overvaluing so. them just because of the way Embiid is playing, or or is it? Give me give me the big picture. Give me Max's big picture. I don't know. I mean, this team is definitely better than the team I watched last year. It, it just agreed. The nights, the nights that they are performing like the team that they aspire to perform like, this team is definitely agreed. Is is it because of Embiid? I think a pretty good chunk of it is. I say this, I have I have killed Joel Embiid on here. Is my biggest criticism of him for years is just how he is able to hold on to the ball seemingly all the time, mm -hmm. but especially late, and that has just been 
I don't think I've complained about it once this year and all the times we've talked Sixers and and I think that is one of maybe the biggest single reason that this team looks so much better is because when the guy that your offense is supposed to flow through doesn't have four, five, six, eight turnovers in a game, your offense can actually compete. You know, you're not in bad positions where you're you're needing to foul on opportunities or giving up easy buckets on transition opportunities. So I think that maybe maybe we are overvaluing this team's performance as a whole because of Embiid, but I think that that's deserved and, and his improvement as a player should be recognized. I agree. Josh, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I agree with Max there. And I'd say that um, I've been, it's not very fun, but I've been one of the most like pump the brakes type of guys with the Sixers, especially earlier in the season. Uh, but I do think this team is different, even though that the record is slightly worse than it was last year. It's I'm surprised game. to hear the record thing, honestly. Me too, mm-hmm. me too. And I think that's because when they are playing healthy and as well as they can be, they like you see the potential of this team when they're firing all, all cylinders. And I think that is even better than last year's. And I, and I think last year's potential was so good, and it ne- they never even came close, even when they were winning early in the season. And, and the other thing is, like, even these losses aren't as bad as I think they would have been last year. Like, that Cavs game that they played last night, that's a game last year where they come out second half and they're just like, well, we, we're down by, what was it, like 12? Like, we're down by 12. I guess we can't win. They did try to wake themselves up in that second half, no doubt. It wasn't enough. But I, I feel like that game was, like, blowout territory last year. And, and, Max, you did say it. I do think it's Embiid. I really do think it's Embiid. And I don't think it's – I don't think we're overvaluing Embiid. It, it should be recognized, like you said. All, all that being said, uh, what makes this year so different at the end of the day, I think it is Joel. And, and I don't think it's very much because uh, – we'll get to this later, I'm sure. The bench is still very just – Shaky like baby. Shaky, yeah, yeah, shaky, shaky baby. baby. We can shaky baby the bench. I'm in. We can, I'm yeah, in. I think we should shaky baby the bench because the, the bench unit is really the reason that this team is, is has a record that's worse than last year. And we all know how the playoffs goes. Like, your bench does not mean nearly as much when it comes down to the playoffs. So if the bench is the reason why this team's record is not as good as last year, I can certainly live with that. JJ, talk me into, talk, talk me into believing what you believe. Uh, well, first of all, I don't know how you could overvalue a player who leads the leads the the league in NBA or an MVP ladder right now. Like it's, it's top of the MVP voting in Joel Embiid. Not not sure how you can overvalue a player like that. It, he's literally the the best, you know, quote unquote, the best asset in the NBA at this current moment. So I don't I don't know if there's a, an overvalue on something like that. Uh, but if you talk about why this year looks different, why why is this year a little bit different? It may not just be just because of the Sixers or just because of Embiid. Look at the Eastern Conference. We are at the All-Star break, and there are three teams above 500 in your conference. You are one of three teams that have a winning record in your conference halfway through the season. That is why. That, that's why this, this year looks so different. I'm not trying to take anything away from the Sixers. I'm not trying to take anything away from Joel Embiid. And I also do think with the addition of Doc Rivers being on your sideline, as you go down the stretch of the NBA season – you won't hit the same walls. The team won't won't do the same, won't operate the same as, as the year continues to evolve. Hopefully the team continues to evolve and changes with how the pace of play, how the game differs going down the stretch. Doc Rivers has seen it too much to now allow his team to kind of change the way they play to adapt to the time of year that they're playing in. But let's let's be honest here. Let, let's all look at the context that, that surrounds the Sixers 
and say that if this was last year, if this was a quote-unquote normal NBA season where teams are, are performing as expected, where not so many teams are down, then the Sixers might not if – you're, if you're worse than you, you were before, you might not be sitting number one in the conference. You might not be sitting in the top three of the conference. You, the Sixers are benefiting a little bit from the fact that there's only three quote-unquote good teams in the conference. I just want to say because – not, not to not to detract from your point that the Eastern Conference isn't as good as it is at the top as it was last year. The bottom barrel of the Eastern Conference is way more competitive. The Hornets and the Cavs are just like two obvious answers that come to mind. And those those teams play relatively competitive games against a lot of teams where, you know, typically your your teams in 13th or 15th are just like way, way under 500. Well, but, but, but the bottom tier of the Eastern Conference has always been marked with, you know, quite a, you know teams I wouldn't want to see in the first round. The, the magic of, of last year, a couple, you know, a couple past years. I'm talking about the bottom Eastern the Conference. In the, the bottom is in the not playoff positions. I'm talking about the, the, <laughs> the lottery teams in the Eastern Conference are are more competitive in stealing games off the, the big dogs like the Sixers and the Nets. You know, well, I mean, Sands Detroit. Sands yeah. San Detroit. I mean, even Detroit's had a good spell of, of, of yeah, run over the last couple of weeks. They haven't been winning, but they haven't been getting blown out. Like, it's not like they're losing every game by yeah, but 30. We're talking about, but we're talking about winning. We're talking about contending teams. We're talking okay, about winning I'm teams. So fine, one team. But I'm saying the, the other teams at the bottom, it's not all. It's not a, just a total, total stink fest from, from you know, ele- seed 11 to 15 like it has been. It's just, you know, every conference is going to just have one. Bo- they, might, they, they might not be. They might not be a stink fest, but to me at this point, it's irrelevant. Like if you if you don't have if you're not 500 or better by the All Star break, then how how relevant are you? Like we haven't seen a run like that where you're sub 500 going to the All Star break, and then by May you're a, a top team in the in the conference. We've never seen a run like that. It's, it, that run isn't in any team. So if, if that's where you are now, then uh, you, I mean, you, to me you're out of that. contention. So, so to me, there's three teams in contention in the Eastern Conference, and to be honest, the Bucks just put themselves back into contention with this last week of play. Last week at this time, the Bucks weren't even like weren't much of my contention. It was the Sixers and the Nets. The Bucks, the Bucks played themselves into that, but yeah. the, the rest of the Eastern Conference is, I mean, the Knicks are the are the fourth seed. They're 18 and 17. Yeah. I'm it's, looking right now, weird, and, think- and there's only a game and a half that separates four through ten right now. So there's a lot of concentration at that five. Yeah. It's weird to look at because last year – I don't think that's I mean, in, in, indicative of like a one It's weird to look at because this time last year, what, the Bucks had lost six games at this point, like six or seven games yeah. uh, leading into the – like Cruising. Yeah, so it's like – I don't know. This is an interesting stat, and it's a very interesting stat to keep our eye on. But I don't know if we're overvaluing this team just yet. I don't know if we can. I don't know if we can say if we are or not because the eye test is real. You know what I mean? Like the like completely overhauled team, new coach, the conference got completely overhauled. It's like it. I don't know if we can read too much into this yet, and I feel like I'm always the the middleman here, like the the taking the cop out answers. I don't know, Max. What, you got some? I just want to say one other quick thing. The, probably the biggest factor, I can't believe we, none of us have mentioned this, there's no real home games. Like, that's what separates uh, – that's what makes yeah. great teams great is that all the teams that win championships go 38-3 and three at home during the year or 35-6. and six, You know what I mean? They, that's that's not no, – no team, I don't think, is, is doing anything close to that. You know what I mean? So to be a really, really good team, you have to perform well on the road, I mean, which is – 
which is usually where you're cool with go 500 at. So now you kind of need to go, yeah. you know, you have to win at like a 660 clip at both home and road compared to before where you're winning at like an 800 clip at home and, you know, you're cool with 500 on the road. So I think that's why we see so much congestion and it's, it's, you know, we're not seeing any teams really separate themselves from the pack in either conference. You know, that's a good point because that. really the only two teams that are separating themselves in terms of, of home records are the Utah Jazz, Jazz and the 76ers, the Jazz mm -hmm. being 15-2 and two and the Sixers being 14-3. and three. Everybody else is dangerously close to that, that 500 line at the, on the road. So it's, it, that's a good point. Right. I, I want to make – Go ahead, Josh. Go ahead. Yeah, I just want to make one oh, – JJ, you're not going to like this one. I wanted to make one quick Probably last not. point. Um, that game against the Cavaliers, if Brett Brown was coaching that game, let me tell you what Twitter would be would be going crazy over over how Brett Brown lost this game and Brett Brown blew this game. So I think a part of what makes this year different is we're all still sipping a little Glen Rivers Kool-Aid, myself included, myself included. Um, let's. I, my response to that would be: look at the reaction to these losses. Like, it, like it, and, and I say reaction by the coach's reaction because Brett Brown, you would have gotten a lot of lip service and no real concrete answers and no real concrete opinions in the postgame press conference. And with Doc Rivers, he comes out and tells you what I'm 99% sure he told the players, like, yeah, that was, that was terrible. That like, was that bad, was right. Like, that was bad. We're better like, than that, like, yeah. Yeah, you're not going to see that. Like, yeah, I, I really like, do they, appreciate that breath of fresh air. Oh, I really every, do too. every person on the Sixers is saying, you know, Doc Rivers holds people accountable. He's got no problem holding people accountable. It's pretty much every report that I hear, every post game, is he's got. So, you know, I imagine that it's it's PG when it comes to the media, but in the locker room, there's specific oh, yeah. people he's looking at saying, like, you you got to be yeah. better than that. We all got to be better than that. We, I do want to circle all the way back to Max's point about the conferences because you look at the standings in the East. There's only three teams with a winning record in the Eastern Conference. You look at the yeah. West, every playoff team, even the Dallas Mavericks sitting at nine, all have winning records. That's what I mean about a down conference. Like, there's one conference that is top to bottom performing, and there's one conference that there's only really three good teams in. And teams that people expected to be good, Miami, Boston, Indiana, have been really severely underperforming. That aids to this whole thing that we're talking about. Why does here look so different? Yeah, I just don't think we're overvaluing yet because I, I can we haven't seen two game stretch where they come out and absolutely flub and then come back the next game and play that same way. That's and last true. year it feels I, I can remember the feeling of getting blown out by like 14 to 20 points. And then that next week of basketball just being miserable. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's 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 a different the eye test is real. and It's a different, different, it's a different feeling around the team. You know what I mean? I agree. Um, so we're our last question of the main event. And this one, just real quick, guys, the second half of the season is we are like smack dab up against the all-star break. Um, what like what the second half of the season is going to be very interesting with a bunch of the stats and the and the topics that we've talked about in the first half. But uh, JJ, I'm going to come to you with this. What do the Sixers have to worry about most in the second half this uh, the, the, of this coming of, of this season? I apologize. Um, I mean, the, the obvious answer is the Brooklyn Nets, right? Because it's it's the team that. You know, is right on the Sixers' heels, a half game behind them, is is one of the, if not the hottest team in the NBA right now, riding this win streak without Kevin Durant. Everybody knows that. And a team that they have yet to play at full strength, nearly at full strength. Um, and they're going to have to see them at some point down the road. 
Uh, but to me, it's also the Milwaukee Bucks because I, I, I don't think it's someone, a team that's been seriously in the Sixers' radar until as of very, very recently, if they've even hit it, you know, before this weekend. Um, because Milwaukee has, has had such a roller coaster of a first half of a season. They really got hurt with that Drew Holiday injury and haven't, you know, hadn't figured out a way to, to get it back right until he came back. Giannis was losing them games at the end, not hitting shots, not hitting free throws. And now all of a sudden in this past week and this weekend, they've really turned it around and they've figured it out. And now all of a sudden sit right on the heels of the Nets, who sit right on the heels of the Sixers. So everyone's going to go out and say Brooklyn. Brooklyn's the team that we have to be so worried about because they're right there. But Milwaukee doesn't have so much ground to make up that they can't come and catch you by the end of the season. And then all of a sudden you're looking up at Milwaukee and you have to go to Milwaukee in a, in a second round or an Eastern Conference Finals matchup. Um, you know, because you didn't take them seriously in the season. Milwaukee is definitely a team that if they don't know how to get it done in the playoffs is one thing, but they know how to close a season strong, close a regular season strong. They've done it the past two seasons. Let's not sleep on the Milwaukee Bucks. Although I've been very critical of them this year, I realize that they're a team, a very good coach at Mike Budenholzer, that's going to get them ready, a two-time MVP. So let's, you know, let's, let's give them at least some respect at that. And, you know, you got to worry about Milwaukee as you come down the stretch. It's a very good point. They, there has been a lot to be critical of with the Bucks, but don't we can't sleep on them out in Milwaukee. Uh, Doc Locke, what do the Sixers have to worry about most in the second half? Uh, JJ, you, I loved everything you said, by the way, except for calling Coach Mike Budenholzer a very good coach. He's an incredible regular season coach. Playoffs? Okay. Playoffs? Uh, no, Mike Budenholzer, regular season coach only. I got Anyways, you. I, 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 liked, I liked how you uh, touched on the Bucks because it's no doubt. Who's number one? It's the Nets. But uh, first of all, shout out to the graphics guy. I like this uh, radar graphic here showing, the, showing you know, the different, the different teams. And now, if we're going with this radar thing, I think they should be worried about all of these teams. But the team I want to focus on is the team that I believe is closest to them. Yeah, they got to worry about the Bucks. Yeah, they got to worry about the Lakers and the, and, and the, and the Nets. If I'm with the Sixers right now, the number one team on my radar are those Boston Celtics. And, and yeah, they beat them twice earlier in the season, and that was without Jason Tatum. Where we sit at right now, I am really, really nervous about getting into a seven-game series with the Boston Celtics. And I, I don't have the standings in front of me right now, but you never know. We got so much left in the season. It's very possible that things could fall a certain way where the Sixers are playing the Celtics in the first round. That honestly just scares the hell out of me, meeting up with the, with the Celtics early on in the playoffs. It's one of those things where they're the monkey on our backs, and I just that's, that's my number one. On, on my radar as a Sixers fan, it's the Celtics. Get past the Celtics and worry about the rest. And, and I, we're, we're so excited about this team this year, I'm still scared of the Celtics. Don't forget about them. I think they're going to have a second half res, uh, resurgence after the All-Star game. Max, right. who's the only – I mean, Max, I'm sorry. Josh, here's the only thing that I will – agree with you on and that's the fact that you i think you still have to worry about the celtics a little bit but i mean to, they're they're not i don't think you're, it's a stretch to say you're going to see them the first round i don't think they're going to drop to Gosh, seven or eight you until, all you do is say the second round the celtics are are on a crash course to be in a four or five matchup in the first round yeah the, the second the second round i could definitely see um but the reason why i will agree with you you have to worry about them i think i think the celtics are a great like barometer team like, if the Sixers see them again, full strength, and you can't beat the Celtics, I think that tells you a lot about your team. When you go out and you beat 
You beat the Celtics in the second half of the season, a team who's going to look to resurge, reassert themselves back in the contender situation, a team yeah. who's looking to get healthy. Kemba Walker is playing better as of late. You lose to them, then that also tells you a lot about your team. Like it's, It goes both ways. So I think yeah. in that sense, yes, worry about the Boston Celtics, but not so much in a – And I don't worry about them in a seven-game series with the Celtics, not right now. I, I, right. I'm still I'm a little bit worried about them in a seven game series. I'm also I'm a big rivalry guy too, and I think mm -hmm. it just I I, I'm really scared about what is it, what would this be three years or, or four going up against the Celtics in the playoffs? And I just I, that's yeah, my four. number one. Yeah, four. four. I can't I just can't live with losing to the Celtics again in the playoffs, and that's what makes them my number one. And the other part is you you guys know it. I'm not totally ready to put these to put the Sixers up there with the Nets in the box. All right, Max, what are you most worried about? Where's the worry? Man, I don't have much to add but other than you know what we've already discussed here. They are talented. They are improving as they go. Um, I will say this. The one – there are obvious exceptions, but there's always the first-year head coach learning experience. You can always you know hope that that talent on the court can be overcome by experience off the court. So I would say that is you, – you would imagine that's one area the Sixers have the advantage in. Um, I would say the Sixers probably have the advantage in terms of coaching against the Bucks as well, especially in a playoff series. Um, I think the Bucks and the Nets are really the only two teams you need to worry about unless the Celtics decide to trade one of the uh, the JBs. Excuse me, not the JBs. The JB is the one I was thinking of. But um, that would certainly make things interesting. But I think as of right now, I think that – the, the Nets and, and the Bucks are really the, the, the big fish to fry there. Mm. Yeah, I got to go health. I oh, just – I, I got to go health. It's now look at this like, guy. Try hard. I, I have to do it. You know what I mean? Joel Embiid's averaging mid-30s. Uh, he's averaged uh, high 30 minutes for, for a couple stretches in the season. Um, I mean, Tobias Harris out. We're not sure exactly what is – how, how much damage is done to that knee. Um, I mean, Seth Curry still hasn't fully rebounded from COVID. Danny Green's on the on the wrong side of 30. Um, Danny, just, Danny Green's been playing all right. Yeah, mm -hmm. he's, been, he's been playing all right. Um, it's it, until, I can, until I see a, a, a healthy baseline Sixers team, until I see the Sixers team that we saw – the second or third week of the season when they were just going out there dominating with the starting five. If I see that the last two, three weeks of the regular season, then I feel like, all right, I can, I can let my worry go a little bit. Um, but for now it's just, I'm walking on pins and needles. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm following well, along just hoping that everybody. Or, or and let's, and let's ease, yeah, like let's yeah. ease, let's ease all of our minds. Me, even as a pseudo Sixers fans, let's ease all of our minds. This is January or, you know, February in the March. The, the dog days. I mean, all-star break yeah. normally has come almost, you know, a month ago in a normal NBA season. But every team hits a little bit of a rough patch come end of January, February time. Like, every, it's you're tired. You know the all-star break is right around the corner. And not only that, but the all-star break is a perfect time to get yourself healthy. Tobias Harris, you know, for, for the con of not being invited to the all-star game, now has the pro of, I get a week off, an extra yeah. week off. We aren't yeah. going to do anything. Get yourself healthy. Everybody, go back to the drawing board. Reset yourself because we have a brand new season coming up. That's how you have to think about the second half is a new season. You know, we start 0-0 record, and we have to win the second half of the season just like we won the first half. So reset yourself. Go back to the drawing board. Give yourself a couple deep breaths. Ben and Joel, go have fun with the NBA elites, and then come back to us, and we go and do this thing again. Like I, you know, I think it's 
it's okay to realize that, like, hey, this is a long season. Even 72 games is long. If we played 35 of them in, in a in a you know a really hard time to 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 do anything, to especially play sports. So there's a toll being taken. Like, you know, we get to reset ourselves in, in a couple of weeks. That's a good point. Quick, I just I completely agree because if you look at this these two like these rough patches, Shake Milton hurt. Tobias mm-hmm. Harris hurt. And it's just when one guy goes down, the entire rest of the team can't really pick it up. So yeah, I, I love that health. It's a good point. So we're going to move into uh, into halftime. We're, we were going to give you a minute with Max, but they just beat up twice on the uh, on the lowly <laughs> Buffalo Sabers. So we're we're not going to we're we're going to save Max's talent. We're going to we're going to save all that energy for a later date where he has more to talk to you about the guys in orange and black. Uh, so with that being said, we're going to move right into halftime, and we're going to give you our winners and losers segment because we just can't get away from it because it's our favorite segment. We're going to start uh, or we're going to bring it to you, the NBA edition. All right. So uh, we're going to go losers first because that's just how we do things. Josh, loser of the NBA first half. Oh, boy. Uh, I hope we can't uh, we don't clip this when he's holding the Larry O'Brien or something like that. But my loser is James G. Buckets for my first half of this season mm. because, oh, man, oh, man, I remember sitting there and, and refusing to give Jimmy Butler an apology on one of my first days on Trust the Process Live when they were making the finals. Oh, and, and now look at phony, phony Jimmy Butler. We find out a few things. One, the whole coffee thing was totally contrived, all right? Oh, just trying to get in the headlines a little more, Jimmy. Uh, two, your team's not that good. And I get it. He hasn't been he hasn't been playing too much. There's been COVID. There's been injuries here and there. But the Heat just really seem a little bit flat. Jimmy Butler's been playing fine. But I can't say the, – the bubble was kind of a flash in the pan for the Heat. I'm not saying – that they're going to be terrible for the next four years. I think they got some young guys who can develop. But as far as this season in the first half, what happened to that? To that oh, Jimmy Butler, the Heat, they're for real. We all owe apologies. You sound like such a hater. They're you gassed, sound like such man. a hater. Yeah, you, you sound they're like that. You, you go through all that, that run, and then you don't have the payoff at the end. The Lakers are still running on fumes from that title. Right? Yeah, man. The Heat got yeah, Look at the Lakers record. Look at the Heat record. This is the first half loser you can clip in and play for the second half when they're hoisting, hoisting Larry O'Brien, but for the first half, it's James G. Buckets and the Miami Heat. I'm a hater. Call me a I hater. See, see, the Heat makes sense. Putting it all on Jimmy like he's the loser of the first half, you just sound like you're, you're still salty from him leaving the Sixers over two years ago. Like, I mean, at this point, get over it. Nah, I'm never getting over it. Uh, uh, yeah, like, well, I'm going to get over it. it. He's hating Hold on the on coffee, man. <laughs> Jimmy Butler was an entrepreneur in the bubble. Like, Jimmy Don't Butler so made sick. money in the bubble. That was so fake. Come on, man. You sound like a hater. JJ, who's your uh, who's your loser of the NBA first half? Oh man, it's a team that thought they thought they did it. It's a team that thought they they turned a bad situation on everyone's head. They were kind of like, "Ha, look, we salvaged ourselves. We're not going to be down there like everyone thought we were." And it's the Houston Rockets. Like when they made this trade for John Wall, got out from under this Russell Russell Westbrook contract, turned a terrible James Harden situation and they thought was going to be something good with Victor Oladipo. Now, here they sit, winners or losers of 11 straight games. Victor Oladipo has now said he's not going to re-sign with them. Boogie is on his way out the door, and they look like they're imploding again. They thought they were going to get like an all-star season from John Wall. He looked good, and then he kind of just bottomed out. Christian Wood got hurt. Like, there's no direction to the team anymore. The Houston Rockets, you want to talk about shaky, baby. It started like, like I really thought when they made that John Wall trade, 
Boogie started the season hot. Christian Wood started the season hot. It went and got Victor Oladipo in the James Harden deal. I was like, whoa. Like, look out for the Rockets. I'm not, I don't see a, a championship in their future, but they're not down and out like everyone thought they were going to be after last year's tobacco or the offseason tobacco. And now here they are. They went from, hey, we could make a second-round playoff run to, man, we might we might jump into the lottery at this point. Like, we're going to just lose out and jump in the lottery. Now, It's they're, they're definitely my first-half losers, and life comes at you fast, man. Life comes at you fast. That's all I'll say. Max, who's your loser? Um... I'm going to I'm going to it's the NBA itself because they have just put on the blinders to everything that they have stood for 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 you know the the whole bubble sake and all that stuff and I don't think there's out that the the product has suffered this year. I find myself not being as inclined to watch every single game because quite honestly I don't know when I'm going to turn on a primetime game and it's a bunch of G leaguers that are going to get blown out by 35 points before halftime. And you know that's no fault of theirs. It's it's just the fact that the NBA has been, you know, for better or worse, they have been persistent with keeping their schedule as unaltered as possible. You know, I guess ultimately if the playoffs go out, go yeah, the playoffs go off without a hitch, I guess that's really all that ultimately matters because I think at this rate, I think we're going to at least see the best teams from each conference make it. You know, you may have a surprise here or there, but I think that if we had this conversation a month ago, I think we that would be totally, totally opposite things things have have shifted back to them so much in terms of good teams being good and bad teams being bad over the last month it feels like so i think that as long as the playoffs go off without a hitch maybe i'll eat my word on this but i, I think that you're kind of kidding yourself here if, if if you you know i'll say this if what is you been doing then you're you're exactly where they want you because they've just been trying to keep it moving no one brings up these questions questions in these conversations and we just go on to the mm-hmm. my loser is going to be all of the fellow people like me who uh put money on luka Doncic winning the mvp and so, so did i it's not it, the hope isn't lost man it's not, not all lost that's lost. lost it's out it's it's gone um we move on to winners and uh there's actually a couple good answers for this mm-hmm. so max i'm going to come right back to you man winner of your nba first half um w- without being too homerish, he's in both conferences. I don't think that anybody go. would have had the Sixers or the Jazz as their number one seeds going towards the All Star break, go. let alone both of them. I think both those teams are, you know, outside of their fan their their home market. I think that the nation is widely skeptical of both of those two teams, probably for good reason, based on what they've shown in the last couple of years in the playoffs. But I think that you know, as Sixer as a Sixers fan, and I want to speak for all the people. In, in Utah and around the world who are Utahns, you have a reason to be excited. Your team is number one for a reason. Enjoy it. Embrace it. Ride with it. They're, both these locker rooms have a very similar feel where the star player is someone who maybe should garner more attention than they do. It feels like the coaches. League. And it feels. And I think that that's not coincidence that in a season like this, where you don't have the luxury of batting 800 at home, chemistry and personality meshing is more important than you know having a, fan, a, a, a arena filled with your fans. Mm-hmm. YG, who's your uh, first half winner? 
before I go, Max, I just want to say how refreshing it is to hear you pour some optimism um, into your into the Sixers because I feel like it's so hard for y'all to like just to, to to be happy in the moment about where the Sixers are. I got Josh saying that at the All Star break, his number one seed in the conference, he's not ready to buy in yet. And every time we talk about like what what's going to be a positive, I, I feel like y'all are pumping the brakes. So thank you. And I you know it wouldn't have been a problem if hey, you man, just said the Sixers like you down. threw in the Jazz. You threw in the Jazz to be objective, but I feel like it wouldn't have been bad if you just said the Sixers. Like it's okay. It's honestly, okay. I think the Sixers would be less deserving of a of a single team shout because, quite honestly, yeah. I think the Jazz are probably the number one big twenty seven and seven number one seed by like four games at the All Star break or you know at this point, right, right. It's one thing I, I to think start you at the least season, made the, yeah. the case for the Sixers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but my my winner, you want to talk about a team who didn't think they were going to be here? The New York Knickerbockers, baby. Yeah. Basketball is fun in New York again. They got an all-star. They got promise. All of their young guys are starting to step up. Shout out to World Wide West. Shout out to Leon Rose. Shout out to Tibbs. Shout out to Julius Randle. I mean, it was just, uh, you were talking about two years ago where the Knicks organization was one of the one of the laughing stocks of sports, kicking out Charles Oakley out of the garden, people not wanting to go to New York. And it's just exciting basketball now. And I think another team that's taking advantage of Maybe a topsy turvy NBA or a topsy turvy Eastern Conference, but 18 and 7, fourth in the conference coming up at the All Star break. I mean, the, the Knicks have got to be, that's the biggest ball of victory you got at the first half of a season. And if they continue it, they go into, if the, if the regular season ended right now, they're hosting a playoff series in the first round. So you, you want to talk about the winners of the first half. Shout out to the Knicks, man, because I think basketball, the NBA is at its best when. The top markets are good. And the biggest market in the NBA, one of the biggest markets in the world, is the New York Knicks. So when basketball is good in New York City, the NBA, I think, is is at one of its best. So I'm I'm happy that that the show is back at the garden. Love it. Doc Locke, who's your uh lock no home games in the first half? Uh my 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 winner of the first half is going to be Michael Jordan. And part of it is just because He's been such a hard for as good of a basketball player he's been. He's been he's been one of the worst front office like members of all time, and and this year he's been killing things both on the court and off the court. Mm-hmm. First off, is is off the court. Uh, Team Jordan pledging a hundred million dollars, fighting the good fight and uh, for racial equality, mm-hmm. and then he opens up. He pledges like twenty million, open up two new health clinics in Charlotte, North Carolina. So first things first, like shout out Michael Jordan doing some good things, philanthropist. Now let's look at that team. Look, I don't think the Hornets are going to make the playoffs. I, I hate to say it, but the fact that I we're talking do. about it, the, like the fact that that the Hornets are right now. Yeah, I was like, say now. I think they do make the playoffs. I think they do. Oh man, I, I, think they I, I don't too. know. Mm. I hope they do. I'll be pulling for them. But it's not even about this year. You clearly have something there in, in Lamelo Ball, and a lot of people were just so hesitant about Lamelo, whether it's his father, whether it was about him going to Australia to play. MJ, I, I'm sure I, I don't was you know we're not in the room. I'm sure MJ had a word when it came to who they'd be picking there. Lamelo, Malik Monk has turned into quite a knockdown shooter. PJ Washington's pretty good. Like they got some pieces in Charlotte, and, and I sure as hell didn't expect them to be eighth. So so yeah, JJ, I think the Knicks are without a doubt the the obvious and the fun one. I was going to say the Knicks, but my second was Michael Jordan and the Hornets. Now my my second after the Knicks was was the Hornets. I think you bring up a tremendous point about Michael Jordan. And another off-court slash on-court thing, he's got half the league with the Jordan symbol on his jersey. Yeah. And when you talk Everyone's about racial equality, 
You want to talk about half the league wearing a black man symbol on their jersey? That's that's huge. And I think that's a bigger accomplishment than a lot of people are, are really thinking about. The fact that you know Michael Jordan has has a symbol on a lot on the NBA jersey. Like I get that as Michael Jordan, but that's the black owned company right there on a, on an NBA jersey. Let's give it some shine. My uh, and to go along with that, my winner would be the betters for Lamelo Ball uh, rookie of the year. Because I'll be honest, I that's would I was completely out on uh, any of the Ball brothers, and I'm wrong. You know what I mean? I'd see, you know what I mean? I can be wrong. I, I, I'm not infallible. I know you all thought I were. I know everybody sitting at home. I, I know you thought my word was bond. 90, 99% of the time it is, I was wrong about LaMelo. I'll give that to me, all right? It's, it's, it's all right, all right? So, um, I, I mean, that's news to me. I thought I thought you were right 100% of the time. That's, that's fine. You can keep that facade up. Keep believing that, all right? I, I, I will you. keep that. You, you keep on believing, all right? Don't stop believing right now, all right? We're going to move you. into our, uh, our, our little, uh, second half of the show, we'll call it. I was going to say last segment, but it's not. And we are going to do something, nothing or everything. You guys know how it works. I'm going to give you a little line or phrase, and you're going to tell me whether or not it is something, nothing, or everything, all right? So we're going to start off in the first one, the Sixers bench. All right, Sixers bench is averaging 31 points per game. Josh, something, nothing, or everything? I, yeah, this is, this is everything to me, really, because, one, I, it's the reason that this team has a worse record than last year. Like, we were stuck on that for a while. I do think a lot of this team is better than last year, but the bench – certainly isn't like it's certainly a major factor and yeah i did say that the bench uh when you make the playoffs it means a lot less but look at isaiah joe on the graphic right there i mean like isaiah joe shouldn't be in, a, in that great of a team's rotation i love isaiah joe don't get me wrong but the bench averaging 31 is just inexcusable and i think it's really fixable so for me it's absolutely everything when it's consistently losing these teams games and biggest of all they have to they always have to keep them beaten even when they're up by a lot like there are games where a beat should be resting and they have to keep throwing them in cuz the bench is so incompetent and they just let the other teams uh, come back late in games so yeah that's an everything for me all right we got an everything jj something nothing or everything the sixers bench averaging 31 points per game I'm right there with you, Josh. It's it's everything to me. Sixers right now are fourth worst in the league in bench scoring. You look at the last three or four NBA champions, all of them except the 2018-2019 Toronto Raptors, all of them have a bench scoring inside of the top five or the top ten. So, Josh, you said earlier in the episode that bench doesn't so much matter when you come playoff time. I completely disagree. I think bench bodes you tremendous uh, aid yeah. when making a title run. Like, I think if you don't have – a good bench to help out your starters. If you, if the other team's bench is constantly winning against yours, you're not going to win a lot of playoff games. Yeah. Like the starting five can only carry you so much. So I think benches is huge. And I think the fact that the Sixers bench is only averaging 31, I think hurts them tremendously. It's going to hurt them down the road. Max, 31 points per game from the bench. Something, nothing, or everything. SNE. I'm going to say it's something because I think that you guys are, are – just about right on the nose because you do need a good bench to win a title. You do need a bench that's able to contribute. But the thing is your bench probably isn't going to need to be contributing too much in the scoring department. And honestly, the Sixers, it's really all about Shake Milton because you need one guy off the bench. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Or, or, you know, carrying the load into
in the regular season or three minutes in the playoff like that can be a big difference. So mm-hmm. I think that, yes, the six. Now, I do. On that bench is scoring exceptionally. Yeah, I'm going to go along line with lines with Max and say something just because we know the bench is going to change um, pretty soon. So it's it's not going to look anything like this. So I, I'm going to go something. We know it's going to change, and uh, hopefully, Shake Milton is not your your primary secondary scoring. It's I know primary I'm super secondary. Super interested to see who this is by. They're going to be one of the, the premier buyout candidates. Feels yeah. like getting you know someone who's a veteran three four guy on the bench unit would just do. And I feel like there's always a veteran wing three four guy available for buyout every single year. Jamal Crawford is still without an NBA contract. I know. I know. Jamal Crawford feels is like, still without an NBA contract. It feels like this year there's going to be some like some buyout candidates that you would not expect. Like yeah. this year feels like a weird year that you're going to be able to get some buy some guy on buyout that just like oh it does wow, seem it, like a clear house year for a lot of teams it does yeah seem like it, a, it really does um, long shot buyout very long shot buyout candidate auto auto porter junior for the bulls don't think oh, it's going to happen yeah. I love that I think I think there's a, a a chance this big that it happens I think if if for whatever reason he becomes available I think he is just. That's Brad's beautiful. That's chef kiss, chef's kiss, kiss to the bench. Yeah. Right <laughs> is it just me or did, like am I the only person in the world that got Otto Porter and Bobby Portis confused for a couple of years? Like they're just inter like interchangeable in my mind. Is that, is that just me? Steve, uh, no, because Bobby Portis knocked uh, Nikola Mirotic before. I, that was the first time I ever really knew who he was. That, you know what I mean? When when you find out about somebody that their calling card is punching a teammate in the face, that mm-hmm. that was good enough for me. To- yeah, and they got traded for each other, and they both. Yeah similar style of game like it's like to me i don't know why but bobby portis equaled Otto porter jr for a while in my head i don't know if that's right or wrong it's just kind of what I, it was i can um, picture Otto porter's big goggles losing to florida gulf coast university at georgetown and that's really all that does it for me wow okay all right so we're gonna move on to our something second something nothing or everything and uh sixers having the second best home record, like I stated earlier, I mean, every uh, the next best team at home, I think, is uh, thirteen and thirteen and eight at home. Um, so the the Utah Jazz and the 76ers have uh, kind of separated themselves in terms of home record. The Jazz being fifteen and two, Sixers being fourteen and three. So Max, coming right back to you, man. Something, nothing, or everything. The second best home record for the 76ers. Um, I'm going to treat this as a two part question because this is. Everything in terms of the context of this team, this is consistent with what this team has shown. For whatever reason, Embiid and Simmons and the gang, they turn up at Wells Fargo Center. That has been proven consistently over the last couple of years. I've, I, I'm confident in saying, you know, there's, in terms of the grand context of the season, I can't say it's anything something because you know we saw the bubble last year. Home games didn't mean anything. It's, it's different because you're actually going to be traveling and not everyone's not you know holed up at the same hotels, fishing in the same water. But it's it's still not going to be a, a playoff atmosphere. It doesn't matter. Even you know, even you know, even shout out to the good state of Pennsylvania for allowing us to be at fifteen percent capacity. You know, maybe a mm-hmm. little bit more by then. So that's you know, at that point, it to the NBA has played in at least a college-sized gym with a few thousand people in there. 
doesn't matter if you went D3 or D1. You at least played with a couple thousand people in front of you once. So I don't think the home record is going to matter too much in the playoffs. You know, maybe it'll count for a win here or there, which might be good enough to win your series. And I guess that's really all you can hope for. But it's just not the same as it is in a normal year, unfortunately. Yeah. JJ, something, nothing, or everything. I'll tell you what, it was a flat out nothing as of a couple of hours before a couple of hours ago before Pennsylvania loosened the restrictions and they, and they said they were going to allow, what was mm-hmm. it, 8,000 to be at Phillies and Sixers games. Before that, Max, I, I, I would literally, it was like nothing for me because they were going to have zero home, ad- I mean, not zero home advantage, but the only thing that was going to be different about playing at the Rolls Fargo Center than any other arena was going to be the colors that were going to be surrounding everything else was going to be the same because there were no fans there. They're, 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 the Sixers didn't have that added advantage of being at the home crowd. But they don't have to, you know, they don't have to deal with the other team's opposing crowd against them. But, you know, they don't have, they didn't have that advantage. And now the fact that they're going to have a little bit of it, you know, eight to 9,000 gives it something. But before that alert by, by, the, by, the, great, by the great governor, Tom Wolf, or the great governor, the governor, Tom Wolf, like it was, to me, it was, it was a nothing, man. It was, a, it was straight a nothing. It literally didn't mean a thing to me. But now that there's going to be a couple fans, it's something. Yeah, right. yeah, a little bit of a, of a of a home court. The fact that you know, if if this continues, that the road through the Eastern Conference goes through Philly, it's something because there's going to be a little bit of fans there. All right, Josh, something, nothing, or everything. Second best home record in the NBA. Yeah, JJ, you you hinted at it. I think I'm going to go for it, and I think this is actually nothing. And I, and I, I the reason why. Is because I know this isn't the question, but when I see Sixers have the second best home record, my immediate thought is, yeah, like of, of course they do. This is what I've come to expect watching the Sixers these last three years, and, and that doesn't take away from it being impressive. But to me, it's just kind of like, yeah, they, they're supposed to. And, it, and my immediate thought is, well, what's that road record looking like? And if we're playing in empty gyms and, and home court advantage shouldn't matter as much as it is, why is this road record still so bad? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm going to say it's nothing just because, like, yes, I know it's not the question, but seeing that, my immediate reaction is, well, what about that road record? And, and, and maybe I'm just being too harsh on them at home. But, yeah, it's just a hard nothing for me. It's a combination of, one, yeah, there's no one here, and, two, this is what they've been doing. This is what I expect from the Sixers. So they better get that road record up. If anything, I think it's everything that the road record is still leaving something to be desired. Yeah, you got to be good. You got to be good on the road, even if you're the the number one seed in the conference. The Lakers were the best mm-hmm. team on the road last year through the whole NBA season. It, it won them a championship, and it's not like they're fourteen and three at home but have single digit overall losses. They're fourteen and three at home with twelve overall losses, which means you know. Majority, if not all, of the losses are on the road, which means there's now yeah. eight and uh, nine shit on the road. Right now. Say it again, eight and nine on the road. You get being below 500 on the road is just never a good sign. Exactly. No. Sure. So that's going to move us into our last something, nothing, or everything. And we don't have a graphic for this one because this one was brought up by our great co-host Max Emilian Coolish. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of buzz lately, and Kyrie Irving. Has, uh, has now brought up something that I think a lot of us can get behind. And what I'm going to give you is the something, nothing, or everything that the logo for the association is changed to be the likeness of Kobe Bean Bryant. The, uh, the, the long-standing logo for the NBA is changed to mimic the likeness of that classic fadeaway, uh, fadeaway jumper from Kobe. All right, so that, that's our last something, nothing, or everything. Josh, I'm going to start with you. 
Yeah, this is this is just a something for me. I don't think it's nothing, and I definitely don't think it's everything. It might be everything if I thought there was a real chance that it would get changed. I don't because it's you know it's a professional sports league, and, and you guys know me. Like when it comes to sports, I'm like a sports purist. I like the DH rule in the NL. And, but this is one of those where it's a change where I'm like, yeah, that would be awesome. Um, I think it's just a win-win for everybody. I did uh, see, however, there's a big problem with something like you have to pay the Kobe Bryant estate a whole lot of money with with likeness and something like that but yeah it, it is a big something for me that, that this is even being talked about and I, i'm all for it i just think that it's a win-win for everyone who loses max what uh something nothing or everything on your own uh question uh i i think it's definitely something right now because i think that you know we all know Kyrie is a very polarizing guy right so if you just read the headline Kyrie wants to kobe the logo of the NBA, you're, you're going to assume that he maybe kind of went about it in a roundabout way, but no, he was he was pretty correct with with you know the whole you know his his point from start to finish in terms of 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 you know black athletes building the NBA into what it is now, and and Kobe maybe being you know the most influential of anybody who's ever played the game outside of one, but already the logo on a third of the jerseys, a team owner, and is one of the biggest names in the world in terms of sport and athletes. And, you know, obviously you, you, it's, I don't want to say it seems like a, like a shallow gesture because it's not like, that's a, that's a big deal, right? That's, that's a lot of history that is in, in the NBA's logo. And I think, I think that the, the best case for something like this to actually get done is, you know, if this conversation keeps coming up, like what if, what if the Nets win the title and Kyrie Irving in his title, you know, his game six presser after they win, championship gear on Larry O'Brien trophy in hand and says, I still think Kobe Bryant should be the logo to the NBA. I think if we're having this conversation again in a couple months, I think this is very quickly, you know, tilting the needle towards everything. But I think that if this is the only thing we hear about it, honestly, I think this all-star weekend could be a really, a really interesting tipping point for this potential conversation. If the inside, inside the NBA guys start talking about it, you know, if someone comes out in, a Kobe jersey for the skills channel. You know what I mean? There's a plethora of things, right? There's there's a countless number of things that can be Kobe related. And the All-Star Weekend is is you know just a, a great you know upcoming example of how something could gain more steam. I don't know if it will, but I think that it would be pretty cool. You know, as someone who who lived through Kobe's great years, you know, he's he's the reason that every time you throw a crumpled out piece of paper near a garbage can, you yell Kobe. You don't yell Jordan, it doesn't roll off the tongue as well. There's just something about I love it. JJ, what do you think? Something, nothing, or everything on the association's logo being changed? It's everything. And I, I don't want to sound too optimistic to think that, like, you know, I definitely think it's going to happen because Kyrie said it. But, I mean, it's such a great point. Shout out to, you know, one of our, our executive producers, Zach James, watching the show in the comments saying NBA or need a Kobe NBA logo. And I completely agree. I think it's something that, that needs to happen and could happen and is likely to happen because I think it checks all the boxes that the NBA is looking for. Um, we know for a professional sports league, Josh, you pointed it out, it's a professional sports league. So the fact that they're going to change their shield isn't just something that it, you know could just happen, right? But for a league to want to do that, it's got to be profitable. It's got to make sense. And I think it, it would do that. Not only is Kobe Bryant one of the most familiar faces the NBA has ever seen, so everyone can identify with him, but he's a part of the most profitable organization the NBA has ever seen in the Los Angeles Lakers. He was tenured there for 20 years, a part of five championships. Like it, it, it's not lost that he's 
one of the biggest legacies the NBA has ever seen. And I think it also, you know, does so well for the NBA because it, it's relatable to the new generation. It's it's not like the MLB shield or the NFL shield where the MLB isn't modeled after somebody. It's just a baseball player swinging. The NFL doesn't even have a football player on that. So it doesn't have to ever have to worry about that player or that symbol being relatable to, you know, the demographic of the league or the demographic of its fan base because it's it's objective. It, it's you know, it's, it's abstract. It's the same. Everyone knows who the logo is modeled after. But if you ask fans of the league now to name you a Jerry West stat, maybe 15 to 20% of them can name you one. If you even could tell you who he played for. Like, and that's being generous to the, to the entire fan base of the league. But every single person from novice to, to expert player could tell you something about Kobe Bryant. And even more, if they couldn't tell you something about him on the court, they could tell you something about him off the court. Mm-hmm. And I think there's no one better for the NBA to model their shield after to say, to say this is what we stand for on the court, but as the NBA starts to venture outside to, felt, to fight social injustice, to fight women in, in sports, to fight these other good fights and righteous causes, Kobe Bryant was at the forefront of all of those as well. So their shield is modeled after someone who was fighting all of those you know, great causes as well. So... I think this checks the boxes for the NBA. I mean, they're looking for ways to try to, you know, always, you know, commemorate Kobe Bryant. They named the All-Star Trophy after him. You know, 24 points in the All-Star game. 224 is all over the NBA. The Mamba jerseys the Lakers have. Well, this this is something that forever immortalizes Kobe Bryant into your shield. Jerry West has already given his stamp and says, yes, I would love Kobe Bryant to be the logo. So the current logo has already blessed it. I just don't see. I just don't see where it doesn't make sense for the NBA. And if, if you know you want to get your your keep your your association, keep your league in the good graces of the masses, making Kobe the the logo does that forever. So I I think this is everything. I think this is everything for for a couple reasons. And I think one is because it's become extremely evident that not only do the most of the commissioners in um, in professional sports need a rebrand, but a lot of the leagues need a rebrand. They need to be able to hit the refresh. That's like, uh, what, what does a logo really do for you besides give you branding purposes? Why not refresh that? Why not hit refresh? JJ, you, you brought up a great point in terms of the, the fan recognition of Jerry West. There really isn't any. You know what I mean? Like the, the people who recognize Jerry West are still listening to basketball on the radio. It's who it's, talks about Jerry West today. When is the last exactly. time you had a Jerry West conversation? Exactly. And it's and my, my second point would be it's everything because we are now having this conversation in terms of something that could be a reality. We're not just mentioning this as like, yo, did you hear what Kyrie said? Like, no, like we are having actual discussions about changing the shield of a professional sports association. So now it's I mean, let alone changing the shield to changing it to a, a person of color with th- some of the like, the biggest name recognition this planet's ever seen. And my f- last point on this would be if the NBA shoots it down, they have to tell you why. Mm-hmm. So the reasoning behind shooting it down would be very interesting to me because, Max, you brought up a great point earlier in the show all of that fanfare and all of that effort that they put forth in the bubble to, to take a stand, to make forward progress, to do all these things, it's kind of fallen off. 
and to to falling off is maybe a light term given some things that have gone down lately, but this is one of the first things that I've heard Kyrie make a coherent and, and well thought out reason behind. And I think it was probably the most appropriate thing for him to, to have his first epiphany behind. Um, because now if, if this many people are talking about it and Jerry West puts his stamp of approval on it, you got to tell me why you're not going to do it. And, um, I'm pretty pretty sure we can all pick up on why they're not going to do it if they choose not to. You know what I mean? So I, I for for those reasons, I think this is everything, and I I'm looking forward to to following this because you're right. This this All Star break could be very pivotal in uh, in bringing up issues just like this. Oh boy! All right, that was a uh, that was, that was a deep. That was deep. That was a long one. We are going to move into tap outs, and uh, I will go first. It was brought up. Oh boy, this this one this one hits close to home. There's going to be very soon. There's going to be about five thousand people let into the Wells Fargo Center for Sixers and Flyers games if the city of Philadelphia follows the example set by the state of Pennsylvania. And there's going to be about eight to nine thousand people allowed outside at Citizens Bank Park due to the uh, due to it being open air. And I'll tell you what. I'm going to be one of those eight or nine thousand. I don't care what it has to. I don't care what I have to pay. I don't care who I have to, whose palms I have to grease. It's going to be me and I'm going to create a bubble. I'm going to be out in the bleachers. I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to hear anybody. I want to sit there and I want to watch baseball from the outfield. That being said, if you can find me, stay 10 feet away, I'll buy you a beer. All right, we'll, 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 we'll sit 10 feet away from each other. We'll air high five whenever, uh, whenever Bryce Harper goes yard. Oh, but I can't wait to be back in those bleachers. I really can't. Um, that's my tap out. Well, welcome back, Phillies. Uh, they tied today in seven innings in uh, in Baltimore in spring training because apparently I'm one of the only people that watches spring training baseball on the planet. But that I is watched the thing. first five. I watched the first five. Once Nola got go. pulled, I was once the starters came out, I was like, oh, I don't really have much. Go. I'm I'll give you half. I'll give you half. I'll give you half. I'm converting some people. Spring training baseball. It's where it's at. Who wants to tap go. us out next? I'll, uh, I got I got to tap out today. So first of all, banners. I, I hope to be joining you. Air high five at the at the at the bank as they call it. Uh, I I've realized a lot of our tap outs end up being about our cars and transportation and. Uh, yeah, bro, because cars suck. Too I'm fast. holding in my hand a ticket oh. of fifty one dollars from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Oh yes, sir. And I, I just, I got to pick a bone here because obviously they don't know the context of of my parking situation. But I had just driven on a Sunday night two hours from my girlfriend's nanny's house in Staten mm. Island. You know, YG, being a YG like I can for you, JJ. And it, there's snow on the ground. There's ice. I find, oh, they're finally, finally a good parking spot. And I am not a good parallel parker as well. So, so when I find a parking spot that I can pull into, it is a big deal for me. Boom, found one, slide right in. I pull in. I'm on ice. I'm on snow. And what do you know? The next day, corner clearance give me a break and look maybe i'll find the picture send it out to you guys can't pull it up right now that's the that's the corner clearance we're talking gentlemen and and i get it officer a knox didn't understand i had just driven two hours from nanny's dinner and i just wanted to go inside it was late come on pennsylvania okay like if you look at my car it's a 2006 paint chipped honda crv crv come on Cut me some slack. Wanting, wanting month, man, trying to hit that quota. Yeah, w- yeah, wanting PPA to cut you some slack. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, go, go one. No, no shot. Boys, 
Max or JJ. I gotta, uh, I gotta tap out because Josh, I'm, I'm circling the wagons, coming back to that Jimmy Butler comment. I'm, that's literally been living in my mind since you, since you sound like <laughs> such a hater of Jimmy Butler. And the very, the second segment of the main event, second topic of the main event, has not sat right with me. Because oh, honestly, I hate, I hate Jimmy Butler haters. Like, I just, I just say he's the hardest working dude, and he's the realest superstar I think the NBA has. And here's another, here's another instance of it. Jimmy Butler, uh, uh, you know when. Kevin Durant's injury, you know, for the All-Star game, obviously came out he wasn't going to play in the All-Star game. Jimmy Butler was offered that All-Star spot, and he turned it down because he thought he wasn't deserving of an All-Star spot. He thought he wasn't snubbed. He thought Bam Adebayo was more deserving of his All-Star spot. So he turned it down. And did he, did, he, did he tell his camp to go to the media? Did he say it himself? No. He had to be an investigative reporter, had to find that out, and then break it. Like, in the, like, there's not too many real superstars in the NBA, for, uh, you know, other than Jimmy Butler. And it boggles my mind that you hate the man so much for he hasn't even really done anything. Like, completely oh, crap all over, his, all over his coffee business in the bubble. Take no pity for him for dragging a Heat team to the finals and being tired. By the way, has come back from his injury and played very well, so well that – Coaches and execs gave him an all-star spot after a, a man got injured. That's how well he's been playing after his injury, coming back from COVID and everything. But no, in, in the eyes of Josh Safran, he's still such a such a, a, a attention hungry soapbox, you know, starving star that you know it's all about Jimmy Butler. He can he can get can absolutely get no no cut of slack from Josh Safran. And I just I- I, I just can't it, wait. I, I can't wait to read it. another article about Jimmy Butler dribbling a ball at 3 a.m. That's all I look forward to. That guy. Like, he's, don't read him. Don't click on him. He's got you fooled. That's your fault, man. Don't click on him. He's got you fooled, man. He's got you fooled. Guys, shade because a guy works hard. Because he works harder than anyone you know. Throwing shade because he left the team because you guys didn't want to work as hard as he does. Like, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm glad go. he left. Don't make me get mad out here. Maxie, before you tap us out, quick up, quick update on the Sixers for those who have given uh, us or yeah, given us your attention instead of the Sixers game. They are up seventy-two to fifty-five at halftime. Let's go. Uh, Fifteen points off the bench from Shake Milton and thirteen off the bench from Furkan Korkmaz. So, hey, Max, Sixers, that, friends of the program, put up their 76ers. Said we needed bench production and they gave it to us. Bang! Let's it's go. like they're listening to the show. It's like we're on in the locker room. Max, what well, tap us out? How does that change your tap out if it does? Uh, it doesn't. Honestly, I had I had a fair amount of like like basketball kind of related tap outs tonight planned before I read the script. And we talked about just like nothing but basketball, so I don't really have much more to say um, other than uh, I hope nobody got tripped up by the clocks this weekend. And I am excited to get back into. Oh wait, no, that's not this weekend. Sorry. It's uh, coming up soon. I'm going to tell you, I definitely did. I definitely yeah, did then. Next if, weekend. Next week. I meant to say, don't get tripped up by the clocks this upcoming weekend mm. and get messed up by them next weekend. You know, there you go. clearly I'm, I'm already we're, messed we're up. Already by the messed up. We're, we're already going to. We're all, we're all going to get tripped up. I'm going to be an hour late to the show or early. I forget which way the clocks go, but I'm going to be an hour on the wrong way of, of all, 630. All back spring forward. All back spring ahead. Yeah, you're going to yeah. be early. You're going to be yeah. early. All right, I'll see you that's guys good. at six thirty when I'm already in here for an hour next week. Then. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for us on Trust the Process Live. Again, as a reminder, you can find us wherever you get your podcast, whether that be Anchor, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, wherever. You know what I mean? Again, if you if you have one where we're not on, let me know. 
and I'll make sure we're on there. All right. Again, find us Trust the Process Live wherever you get your podcasts or on Facebook backslash Manu Philly. That's because we are brought to you by some uh, by Manu Philly, where something is always new and everything's hey, always, 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 always Philly. Philly. Let's get it. Have a great week, Philadelphia.